You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. So do a little bit of research, take dance classes, learn another language if you can, namely Yoruba or Fon or Ewe uh, or uh, Akan, Kingali. Listen to the music, observe the art of these places, even wearing the clothing sometimes because it's in all these spaces. They're not necessarily religious books, but there are places where we find divine presence. And um, when we immerse ourselves in the culture of other peoples, again, particularly their, their, their dance, music, their art forms, we see hints of the divine there. I think when we have these kinds of immersive experiences, then we leave ourselves open to, to knowing more, uh, but also to allowing spirit to find us. Hello and welcome to Drinks with God, a podcast about alternative theological experiences, death, and life. All of the following content is based on each interviewee's own personal experiences and is meant to be educational, not confrontational. very fascinating, fascinating woman who is a huge honor to have on the show today. Um, and we were actually just talking about her time in Benin. So uh, I'm having some turmeric tea today with uh, Mombo Doati. And uh, so t- tell me again a bit about um, what you were doing in Benin and uh, all the various titles that you garnered and uh, a bit about Ati. Okay, thank you. Um, Again, my name is Mumbo Dooti. I uh, am a Mumbo Asogwe, which is a high priest in Haitian voodoo. Uh, and I've been a priest for over 20 years. I um, uh, was just recalling a story about being in the Republic of Benin in West Africa uh, at a high-level uh, conference on um, uh, religion and security in Africa. Um, and... Um, as some of you might recall that Boko Haram uh, had been in the news quite a bit and um, there was a tremendous amount of concern about the spread of not only uh, radical Islam but any kind of, of uh, religious um, uh, fanaticism on the African continent and the impact that it would have on uh, not only on people's uh, uh, cultural and, and spiritual uh, habits, but how that would affect their militaries, their governments, food, uh, access to water, um, and their human rights in general. Um, so I, I, I was one of a handful of people in the United States invited to participate in this meeting. Uh, there were about 300 people altogether, uh, 50 of whom were not from the African continent. Um, and I had been in dialogue with the Ati in Haiti. Uh, Ati means great tree. Uh, Ati means um, that fearless leader. Uh, and uh, the Ati is um, the equivalent of, uh, uh, for those who don't know or understand, um, think about the movie Avatar. There was a great big tree 
that had to be protected at all costs because that was the tree that was maintaining the ecology, maintaining the balance of, of, of that universe. Mm -hmm. That is what the notion of the Ati is. And the Ati is um, uh, that, that power base that is not only uh, protecting everyone, but it is a thing, it is the tree you do not cut down. Because in cutting it down, you're, you're cutting yourself down as well. So our Ati is also equivalent to uh, like the, the papal seat in Haitian voodoo. And um, we, he and I, this is the late Max Beauvoir, a uh, great man, um, uh, uh, we'd been in dialogue about my having a, a role within the National Association of, of uh, Haitian Voodooisa, uh, or KNVA. Um, and when I was invited, in the interest of representing um, the KNVA uh, and the ATI, uh, my title, I was given a title called the Gueto de Autre mère, the Gueto de deux autres mères, which made me like um, an ambassador, um, a governor at, at large, a spokesperson for him overseas. Uh, so I, I went to Benin uh, to represent uh, uh, the Haitian voodoo community um, and, and also uh, the Ati. And while I was there, uh, the relationships that I developed with other uh, uh, spiritual leaders, particularly from West Africa, um, made them realize this woman could be a really good asset to us. And, uh, you know, I, I'd like to think I was very diplomatic and, um, and at the same time uh, asked some very hard questions. Um, there were situations where I think people there, um, you know, I, I, ironically, while we were in Benin, uh, I noticed that the indigenous religion of voodoo was not, and, and its representatives, its elders, were not being represented, were not being respected the same way that, say, the the Nigerian cardinal was. And I thought, hmm, this doesn't make any sense. Um, and, uh, uh, and, 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 and I, in, in fact, I would say it was a little insulting to say the least, um, uh, because here we have um, we're in the heartland of voodoo, in the, the motherland of voodoo, and yet somehow Christianity is taking precedence over um, uh, the, the indigenous traditions there. Uh, and so my conversations with them led them to conclude that they needed someone like, like me. I didn't, this was unsolicited, by the way. So they approached me um, uh, about being their sare, uh, which made me... Um, again, the equivalent of uh, an ambassador and spokesperson for the African African voodoo um, um, uh, and, and related traditions uh, on on uh, the continent, or at least in West Africa, um, I was uh, to interface um, in the Americas, in the Caribbean, and Latin and uh, South Americas, as well as North America for them. So I realized. I came into this country with one title. I, I come back with another title. And so um, what, what does this mean uh, for me? How do things, um, how, how should this manifest itself practically? Because this was a question I asked them. I said, you want me to be Sare? And well, what does that mean? And they thought, well, we're not quite sure, but we know that you know what, <laughs> what to do with it. Well, that seems kind of odd. Um, but when you stop and think about the 
this, this break that took place historically um, uh, in the form of the transatlantic slave trade um, that disrupted uh, the lives of Africans uh, uh, certainly uh, initially on the African continent, uh, but then uh, created uh, great uh, chaos and pain on both sides of, of the continent. But then there was a sort of um, uh, reassembling, uh, remembering that had to take place uh, here in the Americas, um, and to some extent in Europe too. Um, so when somebody appoints you a title um, and they say, well, we're not sure what you would be doing. The reason they wouldn't be sure is because no one has had the title in about 500 years. No one has had to play that role in about 500 years. But within our traditions, we know there has been someone who has historically played that role. And that's what I found myself doing. Um, uh, that's, that's very, very exciting, actually, that you get to both... Um take on that responsibility and kind of rediscover what that means and how you can use it and what it could what it meant then and also what it will translate okay yes it looks like it's uh it's doing a thing now all right um so we're back after awful terrible technical difficulties in which 40 minutes of a really fantastic conversation were lost and I will probably regret that sincerely to the end of time. <laughs> oh, I. Well, I get I get to have the, the, all that all those memories of that information all to myself, I guess. Then, but uh, I do want to um to recap with a few uh, mm -hmm. few questions, um if if you would if you oh, indulge. Yeah, absolutely. It's because uh because, um, Mondo is in entirely far far too kind. Doati, you 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 truly you truly are. Um, <laughs> so um, let's just uh, do a do a, a, a recap on on what you had been talking about with the um, with when it comes to uh, the transatlantic slave trade. You've been doing a lot of work uh, documenting and educating um, about um, religion and how it was originally. And then how it was during and after the uh, the, the diaspora, how it um, how it changed culturally, and how it um, and how it was uh, used in practice. Is there anything particularly like that striking to you and inspiring to you about um, just uh, just how that uh, that that survived and just how um, and how how it's um, you still see it today? Okay. Uh, yes, is I. I've traveled throughout the uh, the Atlantic perimeter, uh, the Atlantic Ocean, and in Europe, in, in uh, uh, various uh, countries in uh, West Africa, uh, uh, Canada, the U.S., the Caribbean, um, South America, uh, and um, I've been documenting the monuments, the memorials, and historic sites of the transatlantic slave trade. Um, I actually actually think of these things as um, as altars of sorts. Um, they're sacred spaces uh, that mark a particularly horrific experience that um, uh, African descendants uh, had as a result of, of uh, this slave trade. We actually call it also the Ma'afa, which stands for the great suffering. It's a Kiswahili word. 
for that. It's almost the same way that uh, members of the Jewish community no longer refer to the Holocaust, but to the Shoah instead, because it speaks to suffering from their perspective. The word ma'afa is uh, holds true among African descendants um, uh, here in the Americas. Um, so I've traveled to these places and uh, uh, there's a, uh, there are a few things that were striking uh, to me. One is, uh, for instance, in Haitian voodoo, that in um, uh, while you find women priests, and in many ways women priests are, are held um, in higher esteem than uh, male priests, even though you know, you're a priest, you're a priest, you're a priest, hopefully you're a good one, um, uh, but uh, women tend to be regarded as... Um, being more able to um, to receive and transmit the, the the message of the words of spirit uh, better than men, but you go to Benin and you find out in um, uh, how they practice voodoo there are no women priests at all. So I was startled to find that reality, um, uh, uh, and and you know didn't quite. I'm not quite convinced of the reasons why that is the case. I was actually never provided with a good reason why women <laughs> weren't allowed to be priests. Um, but as I said, that's not the case uh, in um, uh, in IET. Um, uh, another thing that was uh, especially uh, powerful is um, being able to go to places that I heard uh, in prayers. Um, prayers that we sing, pray, prayers that we uh, articulate, um, uh, such as uh, 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 we talk about Ogun Balagri, we talk about Aizan Velekete, for instance, um, in uh, in our prayers, and they also represent the law or spiritual forces uh, among uh, uh, the spiritual forces of, of uh, Haitian voodoo. Uh, but to be able to go to the ancient city of Balagri in Nigeria to be able to go to the uh, Velekete market, uh, also in Nigeria to be able to go to uh, Wida, when we talk about Dambala Wedo, and Wedo is really Wida, um, and Aida Wido to, to go to the places where um, these Wadi spirit forces come from, um, uh, was a, a profoundly moving experience. Uh, it's as if I had sung my way into these spaces of being. Um, uh, if I were a Christian going to the Vatican, going to um, uh, Sea of Galilee, sea I know of it's Galilee. especially yes. touching. Yes, it would be especially touching. Um, uh, it would be, uh, you know, the equivalent of, of being in Jerusalem or Dar es Salaam or other places that uh, people have found are uh, cited in biblical texts in Quran and in the Torah. Um, when you have those kinds of uh, experiences to the Wailing Wall, you know, I'm just thinking about places that are meaningful. Yeah. Um, it is the same thing, um, but it's different. Uh, and I have to emphasize the difference because um, uh, you read about these places in uh, in your scriptures and in your texts and the religions of the books. Um, you read about these places. Um, our uh, traditions in Voodoo in the Afro-Atlantic world are based on continuous revelation. So it doesn't even make sense in some ways to to write 
because what is in your book is going to be different from what's in my book um, uh, because of the, the nature of our relationship with the divine. But uh, because um, these are disciplines, these are religions as well, there are, of course, structures and things that are uh, articulated um, uh, over the course of, of, of time. Um, they represent the, the nature of our religions. Um, so to know that for 500 years we've been um, uh, singing a particular prayer, we've been talking about a particular place, um, and finally being able to go there. Because keep in mind, one of the one of the uh, the issues, uh, uh, the debilitating issues um, and manifestations of cultural genocide of the transatlantic slave trade was forbidding Africans from being able to read. Um, forbidding Africans from being able to practice their own traditions, um, so that uh, to to do uh, to be a Wuduisa, um, to be uh, an Obia uh, uh, woman or Obia man, to be uh, anyone um, who um, practices uh, um, a non but indigenous African. A religion uh, makes you a, a rebel of sorts. Yes. Um, you're engaged in, you know, what we call discursive practice. Um, but these are acts of resistance. Um, so that we are a part of community of, of resistors uh, for hundreds of years. That we've held on to the names and the places of of um, of, of our ancestors. That has meant so much to be able to have the privilege uh, to finally go uh, there is um, is an amazing thing um, uh, in ways that I, I can't even describe. Um, I'll mention something that I, I didn't earlier, uh, which was um, uh, when I went to Benin for the first time, uh, this was well over 20 years ago, uh, I went to one of the beaches where uh, there was a door of no return, only there was no door of no return. You know, there was no physical door. It was a, uh, it was a beach. And, and, and everyone knew from time immemorial that uh, uh, Africans walked across this beach uh, um, uh, in, in Wida and embarked on the slave uh, ships there. Um, and so knowing this, uh, and I, I have to imagine um, uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, of our ancestors um, walking into this space that I was pressing my feet in the same place that they had walked, um, but it was unmarked. Yes. You know, um, I, I felt like I, I'm walking in the footsteps of ghosts, and that's how I do refer to these pilgrimages that I make. Um, I'm walking in the footsteps of ghosts. I'm walking in the footsteps of our ancestors. Um, and And I remember thinking... I can't go swimming in the water here. You know, this is a, a beautiful, pristine beach with peridot uh, waters. Um, I can't go swimming here, and uh, and I and I felt that um, you know the 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 ocean is as deep as it is because it contains our tears, you know. And so um, I I said to myself, I hope this place is never turned into waterfront property, you know, where there's condominiums, um, um, and you can go buy crab cakes on the, on, on the, on the seashore. I, I, I hope it never happens. Unfortunately, my last trip to Benin, um, uh, two years ago showed me, in fact, that was beginning to happen. Um, but now there is an official monument, 
um, uh, that is the door of no return there. Um, so I've had two very different experiences with the same place. Um, is it still one of reverence? Uh, yes. Um, but before, you know, the bungalows and the little tourist kiosks were set up, the, uh, the, the, I don't know, the, the sanctity of that space was even more profound for me. Yeah. No, I, I definitely would imagine so. And, um, and just going back to an earlier, uh, point of what you just said and which we had talked about before, um, your own personal journey in, uh, uh, into, into the faith and kind of like re, uh, reestablishing yourself within your, within your own roots was kind of one of, um, going to a, a, a Christian school then like, um, atheism and then realizing that this has always been around you. This has always been a part of you and kind of like discovering it and embracing it. You kind mm -hmm. of came at it sort of through, like you, not through academia, but, but, with, but, but as an intellectual. And, yeah. um, and I think that both talking about your trip and into your own roots and where you are today will definitely help anybody who's trying to reconnect with their own past and their own roots because I know so many people who are just like well what did my I know where like physically where geographically geographically where I came from but I don't know spiritually where we right. came from because like you know the colonial imposition of culture and religion it is leads to so much erasure like exactly uh, uh, and 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 you know and that's one of the this is one of the reasons why the transit life of the slave trade is um, considered a crime against humanity because of the nature of, of, of effacement, of the undoing of memory. Um, and I think anyone who uh, cares about the world and cares about themselves um, has to be cognizant of the fact that there was um, this act of erasure taking that has had and continues to take place. Um, but there's so much information out there. If you if you aren't old school and you don't go to the library um, or a bookstore, there's tons of information online. Mm -hmm. There are um, numerous Facebook uh, pages and um, and blogs um, that enable people to learn something about um, and, and African descendants in particular to learn something about. Um, indigenous African religions, uh, religions that had nothing to do with Islam, nothing to do with Christianity. And um, and I, I'm saying that fully aware of and acknowledging uh, uh, other arguments that um, uh, speak to the origins of Christianity, the whole idea of the, the Holy Family, um, Virgin Mary, Christ, uh, Joseph with Isis, Horse and uh, and uh, Os Osiris, um, that that first holy family and uh, uh, got transmuted over the course of centuries in different locales. Um, yes, I I acknowledge that this is one version of Christianity, but the version of Christianity that and and, it, and actually wouldn't be called Christianity. Yeah, because no. it was not Christ. Mm -hmm. um, so the transmutation of that family, that first holy family that people uh, recognize in the Nile Valley, uh, Nile Valley, which are probably prototypes for similar um, holy families that um, exist in the mythologies of other people um, uh, throughout the African continent. Um, so 
you know, we're aware of that. But the way it was uh, Christianity and Islam, for that matter, was imposed upon Africans was through slave trades. The Oceanic, um, uh, sorry, the uh, uh, Arab Islamic uh, slave trade on one hand, which endured for 12 centuries, and some of us argue effectively is still taking place. Um, uh, and, and, and then the transatlantic slave trade. Um, so, uh, you know, Africans were forced to embrace these new traditions. Um, but if you know this, then you shouldn't be afraid to see, well, what was there before these traditions. And, um, again, you know, you can go online, but, you know, most likely, you know, someone who, um, who comes from the African continent, who comes from the Caribbean, who comes from Latin America. And while they too may host some of the same misgivings, um, have some of the same trepidation, the same fears and concerns, but then you have an ally to, to together you can go exploring. And it's not so daunting, it's not so scary for both of you. Um, uh, and, and so do a little bit of research, um, take dance classes, um, learn another language if you can, namely Yoruba or Fon or Ewe uh, or uh, Akan, Kingali. Learn another language, um, listen to the music, um, uh, observe the art of these places, um, um, even wearing the clothing sometimes because it's in all of these spaces. They're not necessarily uh, 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 religious books but there are places where we find divine presence. And um, when we immerse ourselves in the culture of other peoples, um, again, particularly their, their, their dance, music, their art forms, um, we, we, sent, we see hints of the divine there. And I um, think when we have these kinds of immersive experiences, uh, then we leave ourselves open to, uh, uh, to knowing more uh, but also to allowing spirit to find us, you know. Uh, in Haitian voodoo, we we trace these int intricate um, drawings on the ground with uh, sometimes coffee, sometimes with corn flour, sometimes with um, a cornmeal, rather sometimes with a flour called veve. Yeah, and so the veve are markers of um, uh, divine space. They let spirit know that you know. This this is intended for you. Um, um, I'm acknowledging you. Um, I'm marking this space especially for you. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's a dialogic space that is um, uh, created. Um, uh, uh, but the the they're again they're they're uh, they're flat uh, images, but they become the manifestations. They're actually manifestations of much more complicated metaphysical uh, fourth dimensional things. Um, but we as human beings can become the living embodiment of, of some of these principles, principles of justice, principles of, um, of healing, principles of, um, of uh, good governance. Mm -hmm. You know, um, these are all a part of what inform the, the life of Vuduisa and um, making yourself the best person that you can be. And... Um, and giving um, and connecting with those that aren't necessarily sharing the same physical plane with us. So it, 
you know, we, we, we all have great grandmothers and great grandfathers and great great grandmothers and grandfathers, um, uh, people who uh, we are the descendants of, um, uh, people who uh, maybe politically they weren't related to us, but we have tremendous admiration for them. Um, our the 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 covenants, if you will, of the African um, of African-based religions make space for those who are uh, who's who have passed on into the other world. Um, we we are still in community with them. They are part of our community. Uh, and those who are yet unborn are also a part of our communities. Um, so that the nature of uh, uh, the goodness that we uh, we stand to uh, in, inherit, if you will, yes. that we can uh, acquire and that we can share gets multiplied exponentially because it isn't just me and you, Milo, having a conversation. You know, it's it's probably, you know, uh, uh, an ancestor of yours sitting on that chair next to you. It's like, you know, look, let me push this button and see what it does over there. <laughs> and maybe that's why the recording stopped. Um, you know? Um, or, you know, my, my ancestor sitting over there having a good laugh. It's like, ah! Every year somebody comes to interview and every year we do something and mess things up. When is she going to learn not to have interviews at this time of year? <laughs> you, you, you know, um, or it's my joke. Yeah, I know you guys are sitting over there laughing at me. Um, but uh, but that, that, I mean, it, it sounds silly on, on one hand, but it's no more silly than going to a, a church and, um, and praying before a, a, a plaster statu statue that is a representation of someone who... You know, either we have no idea what that person looks like, or uh, because of, of 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 racism, we're looking at gods with uh, a Jesus with a blonde hair and blue eyes when he was from the Mid East. Oh, I've yeah. never met anyone who looks like that there. Oh, yeah. Have you? Midwe Midwestern <laughs> Jesus, you mean? <laughs> Midwestern Jesus, exactly. Um, yeah, no, that's uh, definitely all. Um, very, very, very good points, especially for someone who's trying to, like, you know, grasp at straws with what to do with their spiritual identity. Um, and oh, I. Let me mention one more thing, too. Big sorry. No. Because um, sometimes uh, when we leave ourselves open, our, our ancestors, uh, our spirit will come to us through dreams. And, and so don't, um, don't dismiss those dreams. You know, there are people who feel like, ah, it's just a dream. It doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Um, it does. And, uh, in, you know, don't apply the Jungian or the Freudian interpretation to those dreams. They have nothing to do with that. Um, they can often be spirit. They can be your own ancestors coming and speaking to you directly. So don't think you're losing your mind, as as I did at, at one point, is because I found that I had an, uh, an inordinate amount of information of, um, about rituals, about spirit, about languages that I don't speak, that I don't even know, um, places that I had never been to. And, and later on came to realize that this was genetic memory um, that I, I had. Um, but I did think I was losing it for a minute there. And, uh, but, you know, I had to find people who... Um, uh, who could answer the questions for me. And so that's the other thing. If something is revealing itself to you, especially in, uh, in dreams, don't be afraid to talk to someone else about it. You know, um, uh, you, you, you've got to. And 
Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, usually whoever and whatever you need is literally within your arm's reach. Yeah, um, you'll be surprised at who will speak your internal language with you. Um, Precisely. And I've heard it said, uh, actually it's been told to me on multiple occasions, a veve is just a pretty picture. It's the intention and the, uh, the space from which you draw it that actually makes it worth um, what you're trying to, what you're trying to make it do and how you're trying to connect with somebody that it's almost like an active as opposed to a sitting there a passive prayer that it's almost like an active connection to the divine well uh, I agree with the latter part of that I wouldn't say it's just a pretty picture intentionality informs everything yes and that's what makes a difference for good bad and otherwise um, but they are not just pretty pictures yes. um, they uh, uh, it, it's the same way I, I think of them as um, a manifestation of text, you know. Um, uh, and so if I'm writing you, I'm not going to send you a note in gibberish. You, yes. you know, uh, uh, purple plant, green stairs around the corner, um, yeah. landscaper, uh, you, you know. Bad. <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to send you something like that. Um, so the, the, the veve uh, are, um, it is a manifestation of, of language and um, is a manifestation of language um, and is a way of speaking to the loi. Uh, but when we are tracing our veve, uh, every... Every form, every um, component of it uh, is codified. It has meaning. It's the difference between um, um, a period and a comma. And uh, usually I can come up with an example. It's pretty outrageous. But um, you, we, we text each other all the time. Yeah. People are lazy about putting punctuation in. <laughs> but you know... When there's yeah. a comma missing, and like, all right, there's a comma missing, and we need to know where it goes. Um, yeah. Not just that, but right. it completely changes how you understand something. Yes. You know, and it's like, is this person yelling at me? They're cursing me out? Did they just call me, you know, yeah. or are they referring to somebody else? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so that's the same thing. There's a point, there's a star, there's a. Um, um, there's, a, there's a line here. There's, there's a line a here. There's, here. Line, there's a cross there. This looks yeah. like a heart. This looks like a snake. Like you know it for. It's exactly. there for a reason. It's there for a reason, and each one of these symbols means something. And if I remove one, if I add something else in there, then I'm changing um, context. I'm I'm changing content. Um, I'm I'm changing intent. Um, so it it isn't just something superficial, and you know, and one should keep in mind the same way. No one says, uh, "What is it?" Uh, mandalas are, uh, yeah. you know, just pretty pictures. Oh, no, yeah. yes, they are imbued with um, our intention, with our vision, and they are manifestations of of meditation. So when we're doing veve, these are meditative acts as well. No, the, um. Yes, that was that was very uh, flippant of me to just like. No, I don't think like it that. was you who felt that, that, but you have heard people say that. Oh yes, but it, it was in the context of um, let's be like of being taught what each bit means. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So yes, uh, slightly, very much, uh, not just slightly, but very much out of context there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, one other thing that I did want to to recap, if if you'll if you'll indulge, is um, 
uh, I am going to put links towards all the wonderful things that that you're doing with with Ati and um, um, and with uh, with with the UN Oceans Council um, conference. Um, but and is there anything that you'd want to want to speak to a bit about um, what you guys are doing? Um, like I know mm -hmm. there's like some fantastic fantastic discussions you guys are doing in terms of preserving and water and promoting like safer ways to like uh to you um to use one's environment as well as um just like keeping the discussion going about um about uh, about race and um and and people's uh you know just not not shoving that dialogue to the wayside <laughs> no ex exactly um Again, Voodoo and uh, other Afro-Atlantic uh, religions such as Ifa, uh, Winti, Bwinti are all uh, eco-theological um, uh, so that they are grounded in nature. They are grounded in uh, how we honor and respect the environment that we're in um, and not just the, the environment that contains our, uh, our communities of, of the living and uh, those who have come before us and yet to be, but also the earth, the air, the fire, um, the water that we use, um, uh, that we uh, we breathe in and that we bathe in, that we uh, we benefit from uh, day in and day out. Um, not only do we salute these um, elements when uh, we say our prayers or we pour libations, um, uh, but it 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 can't simply be uh, about sort of ritualization of that honor and respect. Um, it has to be manifest in day to day action. It has to be um, um, seen in our uh, in our activism, um, so that uh, uh, you don't need to go to the oceans conference. Although if you're around the UN between the fifth and the ninth. Of uh, of June register and go to the side events. Um, but it's free. It's free <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, if there is a stream of water nearby, if there's a river, if there's a lake, um, if there is an ocean, um, you notice that it isn't clean. Um, uh, then then find out what you can do to help um, uh, uh, remove the pollutants from it. Um, you know, it might be something as serious as, as, as having legislation passed to protect the rights of nature because nature has rights too. Um, uh, uh, it may be that you've, you know, got to gather your friends and one Saturday afternoon, all of you clean up um, the plastic bags and, and remove the, the cans and whatever debris that there is there. Um, everything may be perfect where you are, um, then do your part to make sure it stays perfect. Do your part to make sure it stays um, as well maintained. Uh, find out how uh, has this body of water been able to sustain itself and its and 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 stay pristine. Um, because there are probably things that you and your community do on a on a day in day out basis that are really reflective of best practices. So write those down. Blog them. Share what you know. You know, these kind of vapid Facebook messages with, look at what I'm eating today. Um, it's, it's, it's cute. But why don't you show us how um, you are uh, helping to keep a body of water uh, clean or maintaining a forest or doing something like that and teach other people to do the same. Um, there's only one planet. Um, it's not going anywhere. 
if we destroy it, we're the ones who are going. Yeah. Eventually, everything yeah. will be destroyed. So <laughs> we're the ones who are not coming back. <laughs> but if you'd like to be around and, you know, for a few more years, um, uh, or if you have children, um, uh, grandchildren, and so on, then we've got to do our part to take care of it now. Yes, before things snowball out of control. And, um, Again, thank you so so much My for uh, thank you, Milo. <laughs> for two interviews in a row, <laughs> and uh, I'm definitely going to um, put information for people to contact you um, in the description of the podcast, and because you're doing some fantastic stuff here, thank you. there's some really great nature retreats that you guys are doing for people to really get in touch with their um, their spiritual right. roots and yeah, um, and to have com- safe conversations about. The conflicts that they even feel about yeah. their spiritual practices. Yeah, and just providing that space is so, so important. Um, and uh, any kind of uh, a spiritual revival, um, revivalism and, 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 um, for, and connecting to someone's roots on the matter, um, you know, I, I definitely support. <laughs> and this podcast definitely supports. So, um, again, thank you so, so much. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. And uh, we just have... A couple notes here real quick, just the usual. You can find us on Facebook at Drinks With God. You can find us on Twitter at Drinks W God. Um, please subscribe to us on Podbean and please subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, make sure if you're looking for us on iTunes that it's Drinks With God, three separate words, all caps. I know some people were having trouble with that. Um, they'd uh, emailed me about it. And again, if you want to email me with any questions at all, if you'd like to get in touch with anybody in any past episodes, if you'd like to maybe be on a future episode or suggest someone to be on a future episode, please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, that email is drinkingwithgod at gmail.com. Again, that is drinking with an I-N-G in there, past tense, with God at gmail.com. And again... Um, Please try to support the podcast if you can, any way you can. We are on Patreon. We are selling t-shirts and stickers and coffee mugs at Redbubble. You can uh, check out that page in the link below, as well as links to what uh, Miss Dawati Desir, the amazing Manbo Dawati Desir, is doing um, in the description below. Thank you so, so much for listening, and you all stay weird out there. You know what I mean when I say I look around for the answer